Yeah, yeet. Woo. I'm Nara. And this is Sydney, and this is Black, Black and. <laughs> nice. Uh, we're talking about class today, because classism is a real big issue. Yep. Especially in the black community, because a lot of us are disenfranchised. And then you get those, like... And then you get those, like, occasional, like, few black people who manage who manage to be financially well off. A lot of times, they renounce their blackness. Yep. Or at the very least, uh, pretend as hard as they possibly can that it doesn't exist. Yeah. I come from a lower middle class family. My dad's the primary moneymaker. He's a white man, but... It's, it's a time, because even, like, he he's white, I'm not, and it still paints how you view the world, because, like, not only is racism a really big issue of class, is, money is just terrible, and capitalism is just bad. Capitalism is garbage. Very much so. But just, like, the things you have to worry about, like, when you're not, when you don't have a lot of money, and you don't know if you're going to be, like, able to afford, like, everything that you need, it's like... I wasn't so poor that I didn't, we didn't have to choose between bills and food. Like, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have that kind of issue, but I still had the issues of, like, my dad would push off a lot of shit that he needed because he was trying to make sure that I was okay. And, like, he was white. He didn't have to deal with, he doesn't have to deal with the white, with the, with the racism that all black people deal with. Like, I mean, there was this time my family was at Walmart, and there was a cop there, and my mother was, and, like... My mother got irritated because she was like, why do I have to worry about a cop? I'm just here. Dad and I were like, oh, God, I don't just just, just pretend you don't see it. Because, <laughs> like... Pretend I do not see it. Yeah, because we're, like, we're lower middle class people. We kind of look like it. And we're at Walmart. And just, like, the reality of how that's just so... It's disheartening. It, it's frustrating. Like, I went to a school where, like, I was in, I was, I was a low-income, high-achieving person, I guess. And, like, I did the IP program, which is so expensive. It's, like, a thousand dollars. Because to ship, you have to ship all of your exams to different countries. They're about a hundred dollars each. And most schools don't have financial aid in place. But, like, with AP, usually if you're on, like, free lunch, which I was, you have, like, ninety dollars normally, like, fifty dollars on reduced like with uh, that in place because it's only two of us who like had to deal with financial issues it was really weird and it felt really awkward because we couldn't talk to anyone else about the fact that we couldn't really afford this the way that they could so we like go in and like set up a payment plan and it was really awkward and just it felt weird and like it's just it's frustrating because it's like you talk to these people who just don't get it who, like, don't have to worry about the fact, like, oh, yeah, I want to do well, but I have to pay $1,000 to even to even get a chance to be, like, graded. And, like, the program's difficult enough as it is, but it's also, like, high-key, very much so colonial aspects. Yeah. I, um, I feel like I got lucky. Um, and by got lucky, I mean in that I am pretty solidly middle class. Yeah. And, um, my family, instead of sending me to... The, um, we put N-word signs up in the locker room for the, uh, mostly black, uh, visiting team to see high school. Um, I didn't go there. 
and I got to go to Charlottesville High School instead, um, which still has a pretty big black population, um, and shockingly also has a really large refugee population. That's how it is in Utah, Utah to a degree, because in Highland, the high school I went to, it's a very rich academy, you have a lot of upper middle class white people, and then you also have a lot of, like, African refugees specifically. This was really common in my high school, because, like, in, like, 2013, there was a really, there was a huge rise of African immigration, immigration to the United States, Mm -hmm. both by choice and not by choice, because there were a lot of refugees, Mm -hmm. but, like, the people who were in AP and IB classes were white. There was one other black person in my IB class, and he was better off, obviously, than I was, so it's just awkward. It's like even the people that look like you don't get that very really intense aspect of your life because like those things have such intense money has such an intense consequence on how you live and the stress you're under and the way like you take care of yourself like like you get, like people get so like like with fat phobia and people being like oh you should take care of yourself it's like you can't do that as easily, and you can't eat the way the healthy because the system is set up that you can't, the foods that are healthy are more expensive, they aren't as filling, yeah. and a lot of people in poor communities live in food deserts, so you don't have a lot of options, and most of it's like fast food, and it's convenient, and it's filling, which yeah. is important when you have to work two jobs. Like, my dad just got a raise, like a huge raise, and I didn't realize how much he got, but like, he still wouldn't work his part-time job until they tell him to stop. Even though he's making more money now, just from that part-time, just from that full-time job than he was with the past full-time and part-time job. But, like, apparently, like, 8K. But he doesn't want to, like, not have money. Like, it's a very real fear that we've lived through. Like, I had to deal with the fact that when my mom got evicted, I had to learn how to avoid, like, collectors. Like, money collectors and debt collectors. Yeah. Didn't realize it until I was later what exactly I was having to understand, but it's like, oh. Oh. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Wasn't there that time your family, because you live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Yeah. And, like, they wouldn't, like, think about the census. <laughs> the census thinks we're white. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because we live in we live in a majority white area, um, that is increasingly becoming rich people, um, just because everybody wants to live in Crozet, I guess, and it's no longer hick town, so, um, yeah, I guess I, let me go over here and see this person who wants to buy a giant-ass vineyard, uh, that's actually a peach orchard, not a vineyard. I can't remember what words are. <laughs> like, the census thinks you're white because it's so inconceivable for black people to live in a neighborhood with financial profit. Yeah. Which is so I, I think it was only a while ago. I think that, I mean, now the census is probably corrected because... Every ten years. Filled it out. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. Oh my god, 10 years ago, I was 12. Age moments. I'm so old. We're both 22s. We're not actually old, but it feels old, especially when you're in college and you're in your last weeks of college. 10 years ago does not feel like enough time. 
10 years ago, my, my, mom, my mom got evicted. <laughs> uh, I go, it was a nine or 10 or somewhere in there. It was in 20. No, it was, it was, it was less than 10 years. It was in 2013. What am I saying? It was eight years ago, but still. It's weird. But yeah, no, your parents, yeah, your parents are, are very interesting because like they, they're well off financially, but they also had to deal with a lot of racism at UVA. Like your dad with a fraternity. Oh my God. My dad, <laughs> I feel like I have just a lot of random parent stories, Yeah. but my dad uh, used to be in a fraternity. I guess you are still in a fraternity. I don't understand how fraternities work. I don't either. That's not obvious. <laughs> um, it was a part of the black fraternity on, on yeah, grounds at UVA. Yeah, the black fraternity had to security for the white rats wasn't it, at a party. Wasn't that like in the mid to late 80s? Yeah. Oh my god. Yep, it was the 80s. I mean, hey, it couldn't have been the 70s because... They didn't have rats in the 70s. <laughs> no, that's not the point. They had rats in the 70s. They didn't have black That's what I meant. <laughs> well, they did. They didn't have black rats until like 75. Black people... We're far and few the between. The first year of black people was 1970. No, it was 1969. 1969? Yes. Damn. But there, there, were not, there was not a presence of black fraternities until the late 70s. Yeah. There were not enough black people to create a fraternity until, like, 76. Yeah. Um. But, like, you're definitely fucking security. Yeah. And, um, I, I won't say... I won't say anything from his opinion because from his opinion from his perspective because I don't know what it was, but um, as an outsider, that seems kind of sus. Yeah. Um, UVA maybe don't hire a bunch of black. people. Were they even paid? <laughs> I don't think so. Of course not. Um. Yeah. Your family has a very interesting dynamic of being on the higher middle, uh, solidly middle class, but like. And, hey, I mean, my mom put herself through college and, um, was a software engineer in the 80s in the UVA, so, as a woman, too. Black woman at UVA in the 70s and the 80s, putting herself through college? Yep. Wild. Yeah, no, my grandmother is the epitome of, like, the so-called black success story. She was poor in New York City with, with, like, four, with, like, five other siblings. Got through college. With a stipend at Barnard, which is Colum- which was Columbia's all girls school in the fifties and sixties. Then, as a single mother at thirty two, not thirty two, thirty six. My mom was eight, yeah, thirty six, thirty seven. She got her first master's in public health. Then, fifty five, she decided to get her second master's in public health at Berkeley. Like, she's the epitome of like a black success story. But like, throughout my life, she's kind of, I've watched her become more in tune with her blackness. Because there's, like, she would, she wouldn't really talk about it until, like, honestly, not until, like, Barack Obama was elected a second time, and not until, like, after she was having to deal with white racists. Keep in mind, my grandmother's five foot two, like, a hundred pounds soaking wet, has a dog that's, like, tiny, and walks her dog around. This is how she lives. She's one of the, like, sweet, she's a sweet little old lady. She's the least threatening person I can think of, physically at least. There was this white family, like, this was when Trump was elected, um, in 2017. <laughs> That's a boot. Yeah. 
And, like, this, like, she was walking in a slightly richer neighborhood. She lives in a pretty nice neighborhood to begin with. She's retired. She's living well. She has a nice house that she's paid for and stuff. But, like, she was walking her dog in a slightly richer neighborhood. And then this family of, like, this white man, his wife, and, like, their toddler, he crosses the street and asks her, do you know where you are? And she's like, like, what are you doing here? And it's like, I'm walking my dog. And basically was trying to get her to leave because she's black. And it's like, she's tiny walking her dog in a slightly richer neighborhood and white people apparently thought that wasn't okay even though she lived like 10 like three blocks down white people be like that unfortunately but yeah no just like and also but like that's she's kind of been like she's always been like very in tune with like african art and black art like physical art but like embracing just like her her blackness I mean, like, like, when she was younger, she had an afro, like, when my mom, when she was pregnant with my mom, she had, like, this big afro, like, it was really pretty, but then she, like, as she got older, she kind of, like, like, she doesn't have the, like, she doesn't use African-American English vernacular very often, but she started using it more as she's gotten older. I think because she started shedding this, like, need to appease to whiteness and, like, this need to, like, sound white and be respect, be, like, play the respectability politics. Mm-hmm. She's kind of shed that, and it's been really nice to see her become more authentically herself. Like, she's she's a black woman who grew up in New York in the 40s. Like, she's she's not white. So yeah, grandma it, seems like an incredible person to talk to. She's very interesting. I mean, she literally managed to, like, she's, she financed, she got me through college. I mean, she, like, the I got, I was mostly through scholarship and financial aid, but she covered what I couldn't. Like, she covered the, like, $3,000 that I didn't have over the course of those four years. But, like, why? But, like, she's been successful in part because she's had to, like, avoid her blackness in a way and appease to white people. Yeah. And present as white as she can to survive. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I can relate in a similar thread of, I grew up in, like, a pretty nice private school yeah. uh, where there was maybe two other black families. Yeah. Um, and, like, <sighs> it wasn't a very uh, culturally black open place. Yeah. Um, so, like, my blackness in terms of like stereotypical blackness non-existent <laughs> yeah no i grew up in utah and i grew up in i went to really nice schools so my parents like were adamant about getting me in a good education and like got me took me to some of the best like elementary schools and stuff but like i had no connection to what being black looked like because my mother also and i didn't have a great relationship at the time and she was absent for like a part of my childhood so like I had no connection to that, and this is when I was in, like, nicer neighborhoods and, like, nicer areas, and then I kind of became more connected to it over time, but also in part because I was just in less white areas. I wasn't inundated with whiteness as much. Like, my dad lived in a neighborhood that's increasingly gotten poorer and is a mess right now, but, like, it it, it kind of affects how you act, because you aren't, there. there's, like, this change from the pressure of trying to act white. And it kind of made me, like, more aware of, like, I'm not white and how that manifests in certain ways and kind of becoming more in-depth with what I meant to be black. And I don't think I really had a strong... De- I, I I don't think I had as strong of a desire to understand that better until I got to college. I mean, I'm an African-American studies major. It really helped. But, like, I didn't have... A, I wasn't exposed to any of that. 
Like, the fact that UVA is significantly more black than where I grew up is sad. It's 4% black. Yeah. The fact that that's better than what I grew up with is depressing. Yeah, I'm glad that, um, in college, though, I have been able to kind of meet more black people yeah. and kind of settle in to some kind of blackness. And kind of understand what that means for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of it helped that we weren't living in, like, typical, like, I, we grew up in, we both lived in Brown for a while, which is a residential college that is very much so not the standard UVA experience. It had a lot more people, it had a lot more different people, like, I could talk about my financial issues and there was usually one other person who understood mm -hmm. the, the pressure of that, of being on, on scholarship to be here and being stressed about that, and it exposed me to something beyond just, like, the white upper class standard that UVA is very well known for. I think that helped a lot. Because I was, I was able to interact with black people who, while they were black, it wasn't the single, like, I wasn't, I wasn't, and I'm not in any black, like, traditionally black organizations, and a part of me wishes I had, but another part of me is like, I didn't have access to black, to being black, really, as I grew up. So there was a sense of othering because of that, and I didn't feel comfortable in those spaces because I didn't feel like I was black enough, but also I was able to just interact with black people in a way that was very different. It wasn't, like, it's very weird to think that I was kind of glad my blackness wasn't the only, the, like, the centering of my entire interaction with everyone I met in college. But, like, I was able to discuss it mm -hmm. and still, like, be in tune with that in a way. Yeah. That was very unique. Yeah. I definitely can relate to that. And you were in first-year dorms and you shouldn't interact with anyone. <laughs> nope. First-year dorms was very isolating. Yeah. Um, and was there anybody in my hall who was black? I don't think so. I don't remember anybody. It's been five years. It's been a minute. Yeah. But yeah, no, then you go to Brad and, like, Gabby Carper was the, was the president, or Pooh She's she's a mixed-race girl. Margaret, who's black. Um, Akil. Like, there were, there were black people who were present in my life in Brown in a very comforting way. Who understood financial struggles like Chris. I think they're one of the best examples of, like, having to, like, struggle with finances and also being black. Yeah. Which is also harder to find at UVA because a lot of... A lot of black people in at, at UVA are either well off or they got in through primary, almost exclusively scholarship like me. And that's also something very difficult to talk about. Because, like, there's just a very weird aspect of, like, people who have who live well off, just not understanding what it means to not be well off. Yeah. Like, it's fucking difficult. It is, it's weird, like, the things that are, like, so insidiously not available to you when, yeah. you're, when you're, like, kind of broke. <laughs> um, Dietary restrictions? Yeah. It's one of the weirdest things. Like, I bought lactate a couple weeks ago, and it was twenty fucking dollars. It's like, I'm sorry. So it's like I'm sorry. I don't want to have aggressive diarrhea because I don't want to pay an extra seventy cents for soy milk at Starbucks. Yeah. Like, yes, I pr I prefer soy milk and like almond milk over regular milk because I just think it tastes better. I like oat milk. 
I have not tried oat milk. I know a lot of people like it. I just don't try. I just haven't tried it. So I have something in the fridge. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like dietary restriction issues, like a lot of black people are lactose intolerant. Yeah, it's pretty common because their diets don't have as much dairy as white people's do. Yeah, it makes sense. So like you don't have access to it, but like it's so expensive. Either the like both like, dietary alternatives to dairy, and also just lactate pills. Like that kind of stuff is so weird. But like you're vegetarian. Yeah. Diet. Yeah, like you don't have access to a lot, like a lot of cheap food. I'm very lucky that I have access to my parents who provide groceries for me because if I had to pay for my own groceries, I would be out here dying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like just, it's such a weird thing you don't think about until you're living it. It's like, oh yeah, I can't really afford, like, the food that I would eat that would make me feel good because it's too fucking expensive. Yep. Yeah, and, like, just, it's not even, like, what am I doing? <laughs> Posing, um. <laughs> um. Okay, wait. And we're back. We're talking about like, dietary things. You were talking yeah. about something dietary. I was talking about, um, it's not even, like, the, um, like, I feel like a lot of press and media makes it out to be that, like, healthy food doesn't taste good. It's like, no! It's not that. It's, it's not just expensive. expensive. Like, I fucking love Brussels sprouts. Didn't you make fantastic Brussels sprouts? They're... I do. I make good Brussels sprouts. But they're not cheap! No, they are not um, oh, by the way, I'm gonna cut this out of recording, <laughs> but I'm too lazy to pause. Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna make barley vegetable soup. You're welcome to have some. I would enjoy soup. 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 Um, other things about class and being black. Fucking being poor in college when you're black, the bullshit your professors give you of, like, I can't afford this. Yeah. Like, you're an art major. That shit's expensive. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of what, um, like, I went to Lowe's, and I got enough stuff to buy to build three canvases. Yeah. And that was, like, 80 bucks, um, which, in the art world, it's not cheap. that expensive. Because you could get, like, a 20, no, like, a 36 by 48 canvas, and that would be, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. So, I I did get a lot of bang for my buck. But, that's but, still, uh, when you don't have money to begin with, When that's... you have a max budget of $100, $80 is a lot. Yeah. But that's me. That's me oh. on my own. Yeah. I was like... You're like, Bug? Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, college is expensive enough as it is, and professors give you shit because you can't afford something. It's infuriating, and that's one of the nice things I've had about having black professors. A lot of them offer, like, online versions of textbooks, and they will help you pirate them. Yeah. Like, Professor Crowley. Professor Crowley's great. He's <laughs> gonna hear this. He deserves <laughs> to hear it! 
And, like, other professors, like, one of my professors literally was like, I'm just not going to have any physical textbooks because y'all are suffering enough as it is. It's a pandemic. I'm not going to make you buy more stuff. I'll just provide you the articles. Yeah. And then there's, like, fucking white professors who I fortunately did not have this semester. Um, but they'll, like, get mad at you because you can't buy the textbook immediately. And it's like, because I don't have my paycheck. Yeah. So I can't afford to buy it yet. Like, I just, I just don't get, like... Especially the people who just don't even think about it, you yeah. know? Like, I feel like you have to have lived a life of a lot of privilege if you're not even remotely thinking about how much students have to pay at the beginning of the semester. Yeah. For just stuff. Just shit that, like, half the times you don't use, like... Yeah. I've been in... I've had professors that have books on the syllabus that they don't want us to buy, and it's like, well, shit, I already bought it. Yeah. So I... Did. Like, why put it on the syllabus if you're not going to use it? Yeah, it's like, or you use, like, one part of it. It's like, just scan that and upload it. You can go scan yeah. stuff. It's free. I know it's free for you fuckers. Yeah. It just, it just don't make sense. No, it doesn't. And the fact that people don't even realize that's a reality. It's just like, how? How do you not realize how expensive the things you're asking me to buy are? Like, it, it's not... NK printing. Um, one of the most useless things. Um, at this university. Like, just upload the documents online. Yeah. If I need to print it out, I will. Like, I'm, I will bet most professors did that because people weren't on grounds. I have a feeling Yankee Printing didn't print anything this year. Because they physically couldn't. Yeah. Because they had to accommodate for people off grounds. So you just upload it and it's like, wh- why do we have a, a mandatory printing place for a, do- a document stack? Yeah. For like $50 when you could give us the PDFs for free. Because you have to send the PDFs to them anyways. Cut out the middleman. Especially because, um, oh wow, I should have talked about this in our last episode, but text-to-speech. Yeah. Like, you could on stitch PDFs. This, you could you stitch could, this into the other one, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I could do that. But yes. I'm gonna do that. Yes, text-to-speech and PDFs. Text-to-speech, PDFs, so much easier, especially if you have ADHD and or just can't, or just, yeah. Can't just read it, for whatever processing reason. Processing disorders, anything if you're to fucking, do reading. If you're fucking blind. Yeah. Like. It's just so, so helpful. Like, that's the thing that you don't realize is, like, there's people who physically cannot read the document. Also, when it's not, like, when it's a picture... It's so yeah. much worse, and it's like, please stop. Please stop. The, the fucking, like, scanned-in documents. I don't know who the fuck scanned the Cav Daily articles, but I want to pick a bone with her. Because it's literally, A, we had to stop, we couldn't use them for our fucking internship over the, over the last summer because oh they were unusable. We were using them during class this past this past semester, and I wanted to cry because I could it, it was too blurry to read. Whoever scanned those deserves a slap. To be slapped and redo it. Because they are inaccessible and it's infuriating. I just don't get it. Mm -hmm. I just do not get it. It's miserable. It's so annoying. Is there anything you want to add about race and class and your personal experiences? I feel like there is. And I just can't remember what it is. I mean, most of my experience has just been, like, this weird, not black enough feeling. Yeah. 
Um, Comes from a mix of probably being, like, light-skinned or mixed race in my case, and then just not being black people being... Black culture being considered ghetto. Yeah. And that kind of shit. So when you grow up in a weirdly, like, non-poor area... In my case, it's also just the fact that, like, Utah doesn't have a lot of black people. And the and it's and black culture is usually appropriated through, like, gangs. Yeah. It's a very weird mix of, like, you get it through, like, third-hand experience... Which is very odd when you have a bunch of white Mormons using slang. Like, there are multiple instances of, like, where I've had white people say the N-word at me and didn't realize it was a problem, and I'm just like, how are you this fucking detached? Like, this is in high school, too. (sighs) And you know what? A part of it's because they were rich white girls. Yeah. I will will bet money on that because they just didn't understand. Because, like, in Utah... Black culture is seen as ghetto, it's seen as hood, it's seen as, like, quote-unquote cool. So you get it from, like, specific sources who don't know the full backstory, who don't know the full experience. And you give these people who have who have probably never talked to a black person access to this in such a manner that they don't understand the significance. It's like, having three white girls say the N-word around me, like, it was no big deal, made me want to strangle someone. The fact that I knew that I couldn't go to my, this was in my dance, the fact that I knew I couldn't go to my dance teacher and, like, get anything done about it was a solidification of what white privilege must be. It was the epitome when I was like, oh, yeah, I know I can't talk to my dance instructor about this because they'll do nothing. They won't understand why this is such an issue. Like, they'll pretend, but, but I'll just get, I'll just get bullied for it those kinds of things like it's such a disconnect it really like how such a specific place of white privilege it's white rich privilege because at least when you're like lower class and you're exposed to like, that kind of like interactions like directly there's at least i mean there's issues i've had to talk yell at multiple non-black people of color to stop using the n-word um yeah yeah i've had to do that multiple times but there's a difference between that and white people saying it so blase it's like you're the ones who made this a slur you're the ones who designed this word as a slur and you're using it around me now like it's no big deal but at least it's a big deal jan (laughs) like there's just such an intense there's a different kind of disconnect than it is with people non-black people of color because in most cases at least they have at least been quote-unquote like given approval from other black people which is usually an excuse, and it doesn't really matter if you're using it around black people who are okay with it. Just don't, don't say it around other black people, because we haven't given you explicit permission, and I don't yeah. want non-black people saying the N-word. Yeah. Like, no. Oh my god. Fucking Jeremy. Jeremy? Margaret's boyfriend. Oh no. And saying the N-word, and then being like, I grew up in the hood. It's fine. No! <laughs> like, I don't care if it was fine was when like, you are in the hood. I don't want it. I was like... I don't want to come out of your mouth. Do you think I want to hear the N-word right now? I don't want to hear it out of your pasty-ass mouth. I don't want to hear it out of anybody's mouth. But yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to tell other black people to not use it because this is a reclamation that, that they have decided they want to participate in. I'm also, fi- black people using it doesn't give me the inane sense of fear and disgust. Like yeah. I get, I get, I immediately get an, get like a, an anxiety spike when uh, when non-black yeah. people use it. I'm just like, you don't see me as a person, do you? You see me as an object. Yeah. It's a, it's a very specific thing. Or at the very least, like a very low level human. Yeah. It's an inferiority thing. Yeah. Seeing black people's inferior. 
It's like it's such a giveaway. Yeah. It's a big yikes. Yeah. I feel like there's another aspect to this conversation that we haven't gotten to yet that I feel like there's I mean, be. uh, strippers would be one, actually. Strippers Sex work is Sex valid work. Is, is, it, yeah. It, it's work, and it should be treated as work, and it should not. And the fact that so many black women are, like, de- demonized for it is infuriating. Because, like, just legalize it so it can actually be properly monitored and people are safer. Yeah. Like, it's not that difficult. Really not. But like a lot of a lot of black women particularly go into it because they don't really have any other options and our bodies have been sexualized to such a degree that hey at least I can make money off of it. Yeah. Like that just reminds me of the OnlyFans issues last year when Bella Thorne joined and lied about what she was doing, and then had a bunch of reports were given to OnlyFans. And this is a white celebrity who said she would who apparently lied about posting actual nudes for people to pay for which fucked over the entire algorithm and the entire payment method for OnlyFans. So there was a limit to how much money someone could send. Yeah. Which, sex work does not work on a salary or an annual or like a weekly or bi-weekly paycheck. It is very sporadic. And it's fucked over a lot of black women, particularly. Because of, they weren't getting paid as much. And this is during a pandemic. There's already a lot of work issues to begin with. Sex workers were definitely having a hard time because they couldn't physically do their work. So they had an online platform that was actually working out really well and keeping them financially stable, which is really hard. And, like, it got taken away because a white person decided to jump in on the fun, quote-unquote, and then ruin it for everyone. Yeah. Like. Also, the fact that they call black people lazy. Call poor black people lazy when, I will will assure you, damn near every black person who is poor is working two to three jobs. Like, it is not a sense of laziness, it is a sense of being underpaid, a sense of desperation, and a sense of our system is bound, is out, is out against us, and we can't get the jobs that we deserve. And at the same time, if they're not working two to three jobs, valid. You shouldn't working have to. two to three jobs is hard. Working one job is hard. Like, yeah. I don't want my life surrounded around work. I want to be able to do things completely unrelated to my job. Yep. Which, uh, fuck. I, I want to be able to go home at 5 p.m. And not think about my job. Drink. <laughs> I'm kidding. You want to sew. I want to sew. You want to yeah. sew and paint and play with cats. Cats. Like and I don't. Cats are so good. They are very good. Kieran, Sydney's roommate, Kieran, and our friend Kieran has two cats, and they're both very cute. Um, but like, just capitalism fucks ex- the whole idea of capitalism exploits black people who are put at a disadvantage, which in the United States is black people, black yeah. and indigenous people of color. Like, enslavement was done for capitalism. Capitalism and racism are, racism are very, very closely intertwined. Like, you can't, you can't separate the two. Yeah. Capitalism is a horror show. Yeah, living the, living in late-stage capitalism sucks. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're witnessing the disasters that have occurred, like housing crises, which... Affect predominantly people of color. My grandmother-in-law was apparently had money in stocks and lost all of it during the 2008 housing crisis. It was like $75,000. Oh. Yeah. Which isn't a lot compared to some people, but like... No, that's a lot It's still of a lot of money. I mean, obviously she's okay now. Like, she's financially she's financially stable still, but like, that's a lot of money to lose in 2008. Yeah. Like, she was old enough to retire. She didn't until 2012, I think. 2011, but like... 
I have a retirement account. I started it earlier this year, like school year. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I, you know what? I want to retire. Yeah. My dad was worried about retiring until recently because, like, making an extra 18K because uh, he got a new job and didn't realize how much money he was going to make annually as a result. But, like, like he was afraid that he would never be able to retire, but now he might actually be able to. And the fact that that is, like, something that people are having to worry about is terrifying. So a lot of the, a lot of the black people who don't work are usually disabled. Who would have yeah. thought? My mother is a great example. She physically can't work because it causes her too much pain. So she's on, like, Social Security. And, like, disability. And those are garbage amounts of money. Yeah. Like, 13000 a year. 13000 a year is what I make. And yeah. I barely work. <laughs> it's not a livable income. Like, you wouldn't be, if you were just making, running off of that, you wouldn't have food. Like, food stamps is pathetic. I remember in, like, Mar- like July of last year, my mom's food stamps didn't work. Like, they were fucked up and so bagged up because so many people happened to apply that they just didn't give her food stamps. So I had to give her money for it, for food. Oh my god. Because the food stamps got fucked over. That's that's not just her. A lot of a lot of people of color yeah, got their- A lot of poor people lost a lot, lost food stamps for a month or two because it just it was such a mess. It's like, people should be able to not- should be able to have a standard- like, income without doing anything so they can survive and live comfortably. Yep. That, that's such a radical idea. is terrifying. So, anything else about class and blackness? I think that's it. Okay, I'm Nara. And this is Sydney. And this was Black Hand. Hand. <laughs> Keep <laughs> doing the this. second time I've done that. Yeah, it is. Uh, stay safe. Take care of yourself. A cow, all that good stuff. Yep.